You're listening to the Wrestling and More Pro Wrestling Podcast, the best wrestling podcast we can produce with our tiny budget. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and maybe leave us a five-star review. If it's wrestling you want, keep it on Wrestling and More. Let's do this. Hello, 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 and welcome to a very special episode of the Wrestling and More podcast. And the reason this is so special is because this is the first time that I've reviewed anything that is New Japan. Now, to be honest, I've heard a lot about the buzz that is New Japan. Uh, One of my New Year's resolutions as opposed to skipping chocolate or things like that, which admittedly I probably should do, um, was to watch more New Japan. And what better kind of event to watch than Wrestle Kingdom 12? And of course, I watched that, and um, me and Garth will be putting up a review of that. Um, but I was hooked. And then, of course, I found out that New Year's Dash was today. So I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to watch that as well. And again, really, really good show. For those who are unaware, like I was very um, just before this show, in WWE terms, uh, New Year's Dash is the the Raw after Mania. It's where a lot of things can happen, a lot of storylines can be progressed, and that's what happened here. Nothing, you know, no major titles changed hands. In fact, none of the major titles were defended. Uh, there was only one singles match, but nevertheless, it was a really important show and one that I'm really glad that I watched. So. I'm just going to go through the matches, kind of give you the key points from each one, as opposed to running down each match, you know, move by move, because to be honest, that's not what this show's about. Um, I'm going to go through the things that happened, because yes, there was a lot of surprises in this uh, in this event. So anyway, we are coming from the Kurikan Hall in Tokyo, and we started with uh, a multi-man tag. Just a little bit of a spoiler, there are a lot of multi-man tags in this uh in this show, but we started with Nakanishi Tenkoze, which is Tenzan and Kojima, and Yoji Nagata taking on Narita, Umino, Yagi, and Oka. And the team of Nakanishi, uh, Tenkoze, and Nagata won. Um, Oka pinned Kojima after a lariat. And to be honest, there's no, there's no reason for me to go in any more detail about that, to be perfectly honest. Nothing nothing happened. It was just your standard match. That was followed by another multi-man tag. Uh, Suzuki-Goon, uh, represented by Desperado, uh, Taichi, Takamishinoku, Izuka, and Kanemaru. Uh, they were taking on the team of Hanari, Kawato, Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask, and Togi Makabe. Um, Suzuki-Goon won. Um, it was Desperado who got the pin over Kawato. And Kawato was completely and utterly laid out after this match. Suzuki Goon really laid into him to the pat to the to the point, sorry, where uh, he had to be taken out by staff around the ring. And again, it's just playing into that storyline of Suzuki Goon beating the hell out of young lions whenever they're there um, to kind of show them a lesson. Nothing else to say about it, you know. That's it, really. This was followed then by um, a match between Kitamura, another young lion. He is a 
beast, by the way. Good grief, he's stacked. Not entirely sure about his weird vampire teeth, but there we are. He is a monster, for those who haven't seen him. Built. Really built. And he was taking on uh, Switchblade Jay White. Now, obviously, Jay White came out on the losing side when he challenged Tanahashi for the Intercontinental Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 12. And... <sighs> I don't want to say it was a disappointing match because it wasn't. None of the matches at Wrestle Kingdom 12 were disappointing. Good God, they were fantastic. And don't get me wrong, if it was a WWE match, potentially Jay White versus Tanahashi could have been a fantastic match. But I just felt it was a bit flat. Um, I liked the idea of Jay White working over the leg of Tanahashi. And of course, I would just like to point out, this is a knee that Tanahashi actually had injured not that long ago. So to work that into a storyline, fair play to you. Absolutely fair play to you. But um, ultimately, Jay White lost. And I know that New Japan are doing all that they can to get Jay White over. He is still young. Um, he's got a fairly good gimmick. Um, and he looks okay in the ring. So I'm sure it's only a matter of time. But the Wrestle Kingdom audience didn't seem to connect with him. It didn't help that they followed the light, uh, the Junior Heavyweight Championship Fatal 4-Way, which was insane spot fest. It was incredible. Um, it was a completely different type of match. I just don't think it connected with the audience. Here, however, a very, very basic singles match. Um, Jay White went over with a Blade Runner, um, which is effectively his sister, Abigail, without the kiss to the forehead. Um, looked fairly strong. Kitamura looked good in this match. Did no damage to Kitamura. Um, he got... Jay White got a lot more chance here. A lot more chance of Jay White, Jay White. So hopefully he's beginning to get over because I do see a lot of good things coming out of his future. He'll be, he'll be fantastic. He really will. This was followed by, yes, you've guessed it, a multi-man tag. Um, the Elite which, of course, is Kenny Omega, the United States champion, and the Young Bucks of Matt and Nick Jackson, who, of course, took back the junior heavyweight tag team titles at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Uh, they were taking on the team of Rapongi 3K, Show and Yo. Um, they were accompanied by Rocky Romero. He was not fighting in this uh, bout. And they were accompanied by Cheeseburger, who apparently, ridiculous as it sounds, is apparently the most over person in New Japan because the chants for Cheeseburger were deafening. It was ridiculous. He was so over. This is a match that contained the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the Elite, yet Cheeseburger was getting chats. It was the same in the Rumble at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Baffling. Utterly baffling. But, um, fair play. You know, it was a good match. It was a comedy match, more than anything else. Um, Kenny Omega was playing on his injured ribs from the Chris Jericho match, and then Matt Jackson was playing on an injured back uh, from the match versus... Uh, Foe and show. I'm sorry, yo and show. Um, it was it was a good match. There was lots and lots of comedy with the backs about Matt Jackson not being able to do any of the moves. Then of course Kenny Omega and Matt Jackson saying, "Look, Nick, you're gonna have to take a lot of the punishment." Nick tried to tag out, couldn't because the other two were like, "We're injured, we can't come in." Um, it was a really good match. Anyway, the elite went over as you probably expect with an assisted indie taker uh, on Cheeseburger, but Cheeseburger did look really. Did look good today. Um, today, Kenny Omega worked hard to put him over, which again, well done. Um, that was that. Bullet Club were then out again in the next match with another multi-man tag. 
Uh, this was um, Chase Owens, Cody Rhodes, Leo Tonga, Marty Skrull, and the Tokyo Pimp Takahashi. Um, they were facing Taguchi Japan in David Finley, Juice Robinson, Kota Ibushi, uh, Taguchi, and Kushida. Um, obviously, Kota Ibushi not part of Taguchi Japan, but was there, A, to make up the numbers, and the commentary team did say that he was friendly with the team later on. So, that's absolutely fine. Um, another really, really fun match. Um, a lot of Taguchi Japan just hitting people with their bums, apparently. Apparently that's a thing. Um, I thought MVP of this match was Marty Skrull. I thought Marty Skrull was absolutely hilarious. His little um, tete-a-tete with Kashida with the fingers, was really funny. The bullet club train where he was flinging people into David Finley in the corner before trying to fling on, trying to fling Leo Tonga into him. Couldn't because Leo Tonga's absolutely enormous, so Leo Tonga carried Marty Skrull on his back and ran at David Finley. Really funny. Really, really good. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, Juice Robinson continues to impress. You know, it's difficult to believe that he was CJ Parker in NXT. He seems to have left that so far behind him, it's untrue. Um... You know, Kota Ibushi, that guy is just the absolute, he's just the best. He really is. His match against Cody at Wrestle Kingdom was, you know, unbelievable. Um, And, you know, special mention should be given for taking that um, crossroads off the apron onto the mat. Unbelievable bump to take. But he's just, he's so over. And the, even the commentary team said if he settled down and actually concentrated on his wrestling instead of doing stupid stuff like setting fireworks off over his, off his chest, he'd be he'd be the champion without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. So hopefully, 2018 is the year of Kota Ibushi because he really is that damn good. This match, though, um, ultimately, uh, Bullet Club went over. Um, it was Cody Rhodes uh, submitted David Finley with an American Nightmare. It was it was a good match. That's all that's needed to say. After this, um, Cody Rhodes came out. Um, Brandy was on the mat. I should I should point out that Brandy Rhodes spent the entire time on commentary. Just before the ending of the match came off commentary, got onto the apron as David Finley was attempting to run to the ropes. He stopped to not hit Brandy, turned round and obviously into Cody. That was the ending of the match. He then rolled out of the ring, Cody, and went to attack Kotrabushi. Utterly destroyed Kotrabushi, um, then went to go and get a chair. You could see other members of Bullet Club beginning to look a bit uncomfortable with what Cody was doing. You saw Marty Skrull attempt to take the chair away from him, Leo Tonga attempting to take the chair, the Tokyo Pimp attempted to take the chair away, however he brushed them all off, was just about to hit Kota Ibushi with the chair, obviously in disappointment for his loss at Wrestle Kingdom, when who should make the save but Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega slides into the ring pulls the chair from Cody, and the two have a shoving match, pushing each other. What do you think you're doing? Stop it. What are you doing? And oh my God, I marked out big time. New Japan have been teasing 
that uneasiness between the two of them, between Cody and Kenny Omega, in Bullet Club for a long, long time. And to see it start to come to a head, I mean, it's Cody's doing a fantastic job of looking unhinged. I mean, especially at Wrestle Kingdom and today, he's looked completely mad, which is brilliant. Really good character work from him, but it was it was brilliant. It really, really was. And it does just kind of begin to sow those seeds. Obviously, Kenny Omega is looking for another challenger to his United States Championship after beating uh, Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom. And a match between Cody and Kenny Omega will be amazing. I don't think it's going to happen yet. They need to tease it even more because... Ultimately, Cody left saying, you're the leader. I don't think it'll be long before the two square off, but there we are. Anyway, everyone left, leaving just Kenny Omega in the ring. He attempted speaking to a microphone, which wasn't working. Uh, played it off very, very well. Eventually, he did find one that worked. And he addressed the audience, saying that he was sick, tired, and fed up of the uneasiness in the Bullet Club. Obviously, before the G1, there was um, unrest between Tamatonga and Kenny Omega. That was kind of brushed over. Then, of course, there was the match where Rhodes attempted to throw in the towel for Omega, but he was stopped from doing that. Then, of course, Omega teased that at the G1 special. So, there's been a lot of unease, and Kenny addressed that in this, um, in this post-match kind of little segment. He then said he knew exactly what he needed to do to kind of bring Bullet Club back together. And he called out Jay White and attempted to give him a Bullet Club shirt and welcome him into the fold of the Bullet Club. Jay White accepted the shirt, attempted to too sweet, which was quite a funny moment because Kenny Omega went, no, 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 we, we don't do that anymore. Gave him a hug. They raised each other's arms and Jay White gave him a Blade Runner, which was brilliant. Really, really good. Um, and Omega sells it brilliantly, as he does, because it's Kenny Omega. And then he takes off Bullet Club shirt. Uh, it runs off as Bullet Club attempt to come in and save Kenny. He comes out, he leaves the ring, holds up the Bullet Club shirt, and does his weird thumb across the neck thing to the Bullet Club shirt. What I assume this means is that at um, the next pay-per-view event, which I believe is New Beginning, I could be wrong, please tell me if I'm wrong, I am still new to New Japan, um, I assume we are going to have Jay White versus Kenny Omega for the United States Championship. That's going to be a really good match. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> because I thought Tanahashi versus Jay White was going to be a good match. But Kenny Omega has the ability to carry anyone to an absolute classic. So hopefully, fingers crossed, like I say, he will be able to carry Jay White. And this could be the breakthrough feud for Jay White. He was cheered when he did what he did. Um, and in fact, as he was accepting the shirt off Kenny Omega, there were chants of no, no, no from the crowd. So, again, hopefully, you know, they're working towards getting Jay White even more over. But we'll wait and see. But it's nice that these so these seeds have been sown. Next, Bullet Club were out again for the third match in a row as the team of Bad Luck Fale, who is enormous. I've never fully I've seen like pictures of Bad Luck Fale, but I've never seen a match with him involved. And you don't fully appreciate just how big he is. He's massive. 
He really is. But him, uh, Tamatonga and Tonga Roa, the Gorillas of Destiny, they were taking on Beretta, Ishii and Toriano, who are the never open weight six man tag team champions. They took the belt off Bullet Club at Wrestle Kingdom 12 during the Gauntlet match. This again, really, really good match. Um, early on, the Bullet Club um, isolated Jano from the rest of his team and proceeded to work him over. <laughs> the fight between Ishii and Bad Luck Fale just kind of emphasised just how big Fale is because I thought Ishii was big, but apparently not. I love Tamatonga. I love his commentary to camera. There was one bit where he took a bump, rolled out of the ring, uh, and just said to the camera, I think I need some ice. I think I need some ice. Um, but again, the Grills of Destiny were really good here. Bad Luck Fale, to be honest, just came in to look big and look strong. I find it really difficult to imagine him in the IWGP uh, heavyweight match that he was in with a Carter last year. I find it because he didn't look like he was a particularly quick movie. It looked like he was concentrating solely on power. So it would be an interesting match to watch. Maybe I'll maybe I'll catch it at some point. There was one lovely spot where Ishii tried to suplex him, but he's too heavy. But in the end, he does manage to German him, which is quite an impressive feat from Ishii. Um, however, it gets to the point where um, Beretta is on the floor and both the Grills of Destiny are on opposite uh, top ropes, attempting to go for splashes. Uh, Tango Loa misses. Sorry, Tonga Roa. Sorry, Tonga Roa misses. Um, Tama Tonga comes off the rope. Uh, him and Beretta have a lovely sequence where they reverse each other's moves. Um, he reverses a gun stun into a do buster, which is then reversed into a pin attempt, which is then reversed into a gun stun, and Tama Tonga pins Beretta to win the Never Open Weight Six-Man Tag Team Championships again. It's worth mentioning that Chaos had the belts for less than 24 hours. So, <laughs> I suppose they had to do something on this uh, show. They had to have some manner of title change. Very, very bizarre. Very bizarre that it happened, but there we are. Next, we had the team of Suzuki Goon of Killer Elite Squad, who is Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, with Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki, who is sporting a brand new bald head, having lost the match against uh, Goto for the uh, Never Openweight Championship. It was a hair versus hair match. He lost, therefore, he had to shave his very ornate haircut. Looked very strange with no hair. And they were taking on uh, Tanahashi, Michael Elgin, and War Machine, Hanson Rowe. Just a battle of the hosses, really. Uh, Lance Archer looked really, really good in this match. Looked very into it, looked very angry. A heel doing heel things, spitting water at people. Suzuki genuinely looked like a terrifying person. He spent the entire match working over Tanahashi's knee. Which, again was a legit injury for Tanahashi, so the fact that he's working it into storylines is quite impressive. Uh, consistently worked over. He was only in the ring, I think, for less than a minute. He did very little because he was constantly taken off the apron by Suzuki, put into hold by Suzuki, and then at the end, they were in some manner of like figure four variation, and Suzuki rolled him out of the ring whilst never breaking the hold. So the knee was in a bad way. <laughs> for quite a lot of the match. Sabre Jr. 
looked amazing again, looked like a million bucks taking on Michael Elgin. Um, constantly, as Elgin tried to powerbomb and suplex, Sabre Jr. would reverse it, put him into stretches, put him into holds. He just looked brilliant because the juxtaposition between his body size and Michael Elgin's is so big. It's ridiculous. Sabre Jr. is not a, not a skinny guy, but next to Elgin, he does look it. Um, Killer Elite Squad and War Machine, they've obviously been feuding for the last couple of months. Um, they did their thing, and then eventually, I'm going to mention this, Hansen, despite his size, is so athletic, it's untrue. It just You don't think that he's going to be able to do stuff that he does. But um, ultimately, it was Hansen that took the pin um, after... Uh, Killer Bomb from Killer Elite Squad. Um, I assume now that this is War Machine's last match before their heavily rumoured arrival at the WWE. And if it if they are going to WWE, that is where they end up. Good God, I'm looking forward to that because they looked really, really good again here. I've heard brilliant things about them, but obviously they took the pin here. Now, this wasn't the end of the match. Uh, Post-match, Suzuki continued to show his frustration at losing his title um, and proceeded to just annihilate Tanahashi. The rest of the members of Suzuki-Goon made sure that no one could get in to the ring to help Tanahashi, and Suzuki just held the knee bar in for so long. For so It made you cringe, it really did. He then picked up the Intercontinental Championship and addressed the crowd. Presumably you would assume this is now a program between Suzuki and Tanahashi for the Intercontinental Championship. I'm not opposed to that, to be perfectly honest. I like Suzuki. I like Tanahashi. I think it's going to be an excellent program. Hopefully, hopefully Tanahashi is only selling his knee, you know, kayfabe, because good God, it looked horrendous. It really did. Main event time. And it is LIJ, represented by Bushi, Evil, Takahashi, Sonada, and Naito. Naito is so over. So over. And they were taking on Chaos, which was Gato, the new Never Openweight Champion, Goto, Okada, Osprey, the new Junior Heavyweight Champion, and Yoshihashi. This was the match where so much story was progressed. Sonada was made to look like the absolute dog's bollocks. I mean, he is anyway. He's brilliant. I've all, you know, since I've become aware of New Japan, I've always liked Sonada. But in this match, especially, he looked really, really good. Um, Naito, again, just looked smooth. Looked like a really polished wrestler. It was him that got the pinfall over Yoshihashi after a Destino. But during this match, it was all about working the neck of Okada. Once again, Okada was struggling with that neck. Um, he was flung into barricades. There were so many neck breaker variations. There was one point where Okada was sitting in the middle of the ring and four, the four members of um, LIJ, with the exception of one who was on the outside, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Evil. Um, the other four all drop-kicked the neck of Okada at the same time. It's just It was really good teamwork. The commentary team did a fantastic... Um, kind of job of selling just how much damage Okada was taking to his neck. And considering he's the IWGP heavyweight champion, he took a lot of punishment here, got very, very little offense in at all on anyone. Um, LIJ dominated this match. Osprey looked really good in his opening salvo with um, 
Takahashi. Thought that was really good. Osprey always is. Um, I would love to see a one-on-one program between Takahashi and Osprey because with it being a four-way at Wrestle Kingdom 12, you didn't see too much interaction between these two. And I think these two could create magic. I did have Takahashi to win at Wrestle Kingdom. Obviously, that didn't happen, but never mind. After the match, LIJ continued to attack Okada, obviously, for his victory at Wrestle Kingdom 12. And it was Sonada. It wasn't Naito. Sonada choked out Okada with the skull end. So, again, Sonada looking strong. A lot of people and a lot of people on the internet are saying that this could be Sonada's year. And I certainly hope it is, because he looks the part. He's built. He's massive. And he's just an imposing figure. Again, a really good wrestler. So, hopefully, this will be the breakout year for him. The crowd continue to chant for Naito. Naito addresses them. Uh, starts kind of cutting a traditional end of show promo saying that yes he lost there was no excuses for him losing and you know he was sorry at this point you could hear you know rumblings in the crowd and you thought what's going on here the camera panned out and Chris Jericho came in and beat the hell out of Naito now considering yesterday there were reports going around and obviously from the news conference that he gave you were under the impression that his match with Omega was the only thing he was doing only thing he was doing, and then he was gone. But here he is, and he's fighting Naito. It was brilliant. The crowd, bearing in mind that Jericho has portrayed himself as this huge heel over the last two days, the crowd loved it. There was chance of Y2J, then there was chance of Naito, and it was just, oh, it was amazing. Um, Rapongi 3K and Chaos were trying to yank Jericho off, um, Jericho was throwing tables and monitors at Naito while he was in the ring. Naito was doing Tranquilo. Um, but then he broke off, tried to attack Jericho. Oh, it was magical. And if this leads to a Chris Jericho and Naito program, I'm more than happy. I'll be perfectly honest. When they announced the Jericho Omega match, I was really excited. But I was filled with a slight sense of trepidation in the fact that Jericho is 40 years old. And whilst that is okay in the WWE because they work a notoriously safer style, in New Japan they don't. You look at some of the bumps that they take in New Japan, you look how stiff some of the people work. I mean, look at Suzuki. Look at the bump Kodra Bushi took yesterday. You know, it's it's a different style. And I was slightly worried that Jericho wouldn't be able to work it. I was completely wrong. He absolutely owned it. He was brilliant. You know, worthy of the title of GOAT, but I am so excited now for matches that he does in New Japan. And he's absolutely right, this is only going to benefit the WWE. This, you know, how on earth is this not going to benefit the WWE? It's going to benefit New Japan massively because, you know, his presence at Wrestle Kingdom must have increased New Japan World subscribers. I subscribed... So they've definitely it's definitely increased by one. But it's it's a really exciting time. And considering the first two New Japan shows I've seen are Wrestle Kingdom 12 and New Year's Dash, which was this one, I can honestly say I'll be watching every single one from now on because I am completely hooked. 
the wrestling style, the fact that not every damn match is punctuated with a stupid backstage segment, the fact that, you know, matches aren't, you know, stories have progressed through the matches as opposed to, you know, such and such going to the back and asking the general manager for a match. No, it's just match, you know, video package match, video package match. Wrestle Kingdom, they got so many matches in, they let matches go a long distance because there wasn't stupid things in between. There was just video package match, video package match, video package match. And that's what you want. I'm completely hooked, I'll be perfectly honest, as I've said before, and I will be watching more New Japan stuff without a shadow of a doubt. I can now see why there was such a buzz when Nakamura and the club came over and AJ Styles came over from New Japan because the style is fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to a very excitable lad rant about a new thing. Um... What did you think of New Year's Dash? Our Wrestle Kingdom review will be up in the next couple of days, but I want to know your thoughts. What do you think about Jericho taking on Naito? Do you think Jay White versus Kenny Omega is going to be a good problem? What do you think is going to happen between Cody and Kenny Omega? Who's next for Okada? Could it be Sonada? I want to know your thoughts. Talk to us on Twitter. You can follow me at Twitter, at RealRobGoodwin, or, of course, you can go to the website. Follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to Wrestling and More's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WAM Podcast UK, on Facebook, and check out the website, wrestlingandmoreblog.weebly.com. Until next time, wrestling fans. 